You are listening to a podcast from Influence Church. We hope it encourages and empowers you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God. For any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Enjoy the message. our brand new series last week called The Pursuit of God. And Pastor Ben started that series with an incredible message. And he was talking about how pursue means to um, follow closely, to chase after, to strive to gain and seek to attain. Now, we all pursue things. We pursue relationships or jobs or we pursue opportunities. Now, um, a little story about me. I'm really obsessed with vintage. Anybody else on the vintage train? Now, here's the thing. If it is not stuck down in our house and can be packaged up, it's at Ken Warren's being delivered, let me tell you that. Um, um, there is pitch. I've even started just taking pictures of things hanging on my wall to sell. So I'm like, it can stay there until it sells, but it's being sold. Um, Andrew hasn't noticed some things, but the kids have definitely noticed. Like, have you seen my doll? I'm like, sold it for a pound on Vinted. Anyway, um, there was a, uh, I don't tell them that I sold it for a pound on Vinted, because if you're a parent, you know you've got to stay those toys away when they're not watching, but they know, don't they? Anyway, there was this dress. Boys, stick with me. There was a dress, and it was like the dress of the season. And the website had sold uh, had sold out on this dress. So I'd click the notification to get an email when the dress was available, but it never came available. One night, scrolling vintage in bed, and there was the dress. So I, of course, bought it straight away. Now, I um, chose in post at Lidl because who knows, going to that thing is like a game of whack-a-mole. You pray at it, and you never know which door's going to open. It's like the best thing ever. So I, um, uh, you can tell I'm really into this vintage live, everyone. Anyway, um, I was really excited to receive the dress and uh, got the tracking code. And then I received an email to say it had been delayed, which is fine. You know, you've got to give people the benefit of the doubt. Then I received another email to say it had been delayed. And then another week and another email to say that it had been delayed. Now, there is nothing more persistent than a woman who wants a dress. And I pursued that dress <laughs> and vintage as much as I can. I emailed them. I tweeted them. I Instagrammed them. I was Facebooking them. I was persistent in my pursuit for this dress. The dress didn't come. I got my money back. Really sad. Um, hoping that one day I will get the dress. But you see, when we pursue something, it requires something of us. It requires us to do something when we pursue things. We all pursue different things every single day. Now, if you've been a Christian for a number of years, you'll know that there is a book called The Pursuit of God. And this is written by A.W. Tozer, and it was written in 1948. That's a long time ago. Not that long for anybody who was born in 1948. <laughs> anyway, in this book, Toza is described to be a uh, fearless leader, and he was a, an American pastor. And in this book, he wanted to, in this book, it's all about how we don't just know who God is, but we experience who he is. And he says this quote, which I love. It says, the impulse to pursue God originates with God, but the outworking of that impulse is our following hard after 
after him. You see, when we encounter God, it stirs something up inside of us. But we are responsible to fuel that fame and to keep that flame alight. We have something that we need to do um, to continue that pursuit of God. It, It requires something of us. Pursuing God is all about seeking God and making him a priority in our lives. Now, if you've ever heard me preach before, you'll know that I am a very visual person. I love to tell a story. Now, being a visual person has its pros and has its cons. Um, The cons are is that I have to be so careful about what I watch and what I read because I can really visualize what is happening and it's not good for me. Um, One of the things I struggle with really badly mentally is intrusive thoughts. And I can have these thoughts about my family or my children. And because I'm so visual, I can picture these thoughts and it feel like it's real life. Now, as much as there's negatives to it, there's lots of pros of being a visual person. I can learn things by just watching other people do it. I can read a book and feel like I'm a part of it. And when it comes to my walk with God, I can read the Bible and feel like I'm a part of it. When I read those stories, I can imagine what it would have been like, what would be going on, what they would be wearing, what the atmosphere would be like. And so for me, being a visual person, to fully understand what it means to pursue God, I need to see somebody who is pursuing God so that I can learn from them. Now, you know, no walk with God is the same, but the Bible also says that there's nothing new under the sun, which means we can all learn something from other people, but just make it fit us. You know, we have the Bible and the Bible is filled with so many people who pursued God that we can learn from. There is a pastor who pastors a church in Hawaii and he's called Wayne Cadero, I think it is. I mean, a church in Hawaii. Hello. Um, Anyway, separate point. He wrote a book called Divine Mentor. And I don't know if he was talking about himself or it was just an example that he used in the story, but he talks about how there was a guy who was working away for work. He was in this hotel eating a meal in the restaurant and a lady came over and starts talking to him. As he's talking to her, out the corner of his mind, he sees Joseph fleeing from Potiphar's wife. He then goes on in the book to talk about how the Bible is full of people who pursued God, who loved God, who can mentor us and who we can learn from. So today, we're going to look in the Word of God and look at some people who pursued God and see what we can learn from them. Is that all right? Are you sure? Great. We are going to turn to the book of Daniel. If you've got your Bibles. Feel free to turn with me. If not, all of the scriptures are going to be coming up on the screen. So a little bit of a history about Daniel. Daniel was written by Daniel, just to clarify that, because sometimes they're not. They're not written by the person whose name is on the chapter. Anyway, Daniel is written by Daniel. And um, this is a, um, what happened was, is um, Jerusalem had kind of been attacked by the Babylonian army. The Babylonian army had come in. They destroyed the city, destroyed the temple, and they had made the king a slave. You see, Jerusalem at the time was in a mess. They had defiled the temple. They were neglecting the widows and the orphans. Sin was on their throne. And because of that, they had to be overthrown. The Babylonian army, they come in and they take these people back to Babylon, Babylon, where they enjoy, uh, they enroll on what can only be described as like three-year-long basic training to be able to join the Babylonian army. Now, the book of Daniel, um, 
the book of Daniel is um, kind of split into two parts. Chapters 1 to 6 are stories about Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And chapters 7 to 12 is all about the visions and dreams that Daniel had. Daniel wrote this book for the people who were in exile to remind them of the sovereignty of God and to encourage them in their faith and to keep trusting God. Now, the stories in the book of Daniel are Sunday school classics. We have all probably heard these stories, even if you've not been a Christian for a long time. But what I love about these stories is that here you have got four men who pursued God. And in their pursuit of God, they encountered some awful things, but they chose in every situation to do the right thing. You know, doing the right thing, pursuing the right thing is all about being righteous and having righteousness. The Bible talks so clearly about righteousness. Here's just a few verses. Proverbs 21 verse 21 says, whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity, and honor. Psalm 5 verse 8 says, lead me, Lord, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make your way straight before me. You know, church, the truth is, is that we can't achieve righteousness on our own, but we can possess the righteousness of Christ. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says this, God, there's lots of words in this, and I always say it wrong, so bear with me. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. On the cross, Jesus exchanged our sin for his perfect righteousness, righteousness that we can pursue and have in our life. Pursuing God is all about pursuing righteousness and doing the right thing. It's not just about doing the right thing for ourselves, but it's about doing the right thing for our family, for the people who live on our street, for the people in our town, the people in this country, the people who we love. We are called to be righteous people and to do the right thing. And when we look at the story of these four men, we see how in their pursuit of God, they pursued righteousness and incredible things happened. So we've got three stories. Are you still with me? Great. So we're going to go through these three stories. We're going to see how they pursued God, pursued righteousness, and what happened because of that. So the first story is in Daniel chapter 1. So these men were brought out of Jerusalem to go to Babylon, and they were Jewish through and through. And when they arrived in Babylon, they were basically being trained up to join the Babylonian army. Now, when they kind of joined into this training, the only way you can describe it is that they were trying to take the Jerusalem out of them. They were trying to change the things they ate. They would change their names. Like we know these guys as Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that's the Babylonian names that they were given. That was not their original names. The Babylonian people were trying to change everything about them. They were trying to take away anything that they believed and make them Babylonian through and through. Now, one of the things that they wanted them to do was to eat the royal food and drink drink the royal wine. Now, Daniel knew that if he was to eat these things, then not only would he be defiling himself, but he would be defiling God. And he didn't want to do that. And he knew that he needed to do the right thing. He spoke to the people in charge of him and they were like having none of it. They were worried about what the king might say. But finally, um, it says that God gave them favor and they were allowed to. So in Daniel chapter one, verse 12, it says this, 
Please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. So Daniel Shadrach Meshach and Abednego are being told that they've got to eat all of these meats and wines and they know that they're not allowed to. So in that moment, they make the right choice and make the right decision to basically say, no, I'm really sorry. We want to eat this food. We're not want, we don't want to eat the king's food. We want to eat vegetables and fruit. I mean, who would choose that? But still, we want to eat fruit and vegetables and we want to do the right thing. They knew that if they were to eat this food, it would be changing who they were and defiling God and themselves. You know, choosing to do the right thing when everybody else is doing different is so hard to do. Choosing to stand up and be different, choosing to say, no, I don't believe in that and this is what I believe and trying to do the right thing is so difficult. You know, in September of last year, Nora, my little girl, started school. And so I've now officially become a school mum. I love that I can take her to school and pick her up most days. Now, here's the thing. I've not been on a school playground for a really long time. And since she started school, I feel like I'm back on the school playground. Every single morning and night when I go pick her up, there are these mums. Now, the teachers are in the room and nodding their heads and know the mums that we are talking about. They've always got something bad to say. They want to know the latest gossip, the latest drama of what's going on. And being completely truthful, the sinful nature in me wants to know what's going on. Like, I want to be a part of this. I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's happening. I want to know what's, you know, what people are saying. And also, I've got to be around these months for the next seven years while Nora's in this primary school. But then there's a Christian side of me that knows that there's a right thing to do. And I know it's really funny me being on the playground, but I've actually really struggled with this. I've struggled being in this environment. There's times when I've done the school drop-off and I've arrived at work and I've just felt heavy from the conversations that I have heard. And I have had to really think about where I'm putting myself. I choose to not get there as early now so I don't have to engage in this conversation. I choose to stand away from them. I found people who don't want to be a part of this conversation and also I've actually chatted to Pastor Sophie about this a lot and we've prayed about it and you know Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego here were choosing to stand up and do the right thing and what I love here is that they were doing it together they weren't on their own. You see, when you are one person who is trying to stand up and be different and be righteous and do the right thing, it can be so hard to do. That's the reason why we talk about being in a life group and having those people around you, people who you can vent to, who can pray with you, who can encourage you. Every single day, so many of us are going into toxic work situations or toxic home lives or we're on the school run in this atmosphere of horrible negativeness. We're going into situations every single day where we are being challenged of, I know what I need to do, but everybody else is doing this. And it is so hard to do. It's really hard to do the right thing. But this is the reason why we need to make sure that we've got that team around us, that team around us who are going to stand with us, who are going to pray for us, who are going to stick with us and say, yeah, you're in a difficult situation, but we are praying for you. We are believing for you. That's why we talk about life groups so much. 
We don't just say it because it's a fun, well, it is fun, but we also say it because we understand the community and that actually we need people who are standing with us when we're in difficult situations. So, so they were in this horrible situation. They were in this awful situation where the king could have gone mad. And this is what happens next in verse 17. To these four young men, God gave them knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to them. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom and understanding, Standing, um, and which the king questioned them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians and the enchanters in the whole kingdom. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did the right thing. And when they did the right thing, God poured his unexplainable favor out on them. You see, here's the thing. The very thing that the Babylonian people were trying to strip from Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego was the very thing that they were noticing, which was making them different. They were trying to make them Babylonian through to the bone. They were trying to change what they believed, what they ate, who they were, what they worshipped. They were trying to change everything about them. But the one thing that made them special was the one thing that they were drawn to. Nobody compared to them. Doing the right thing is hard. And that's the reason why we need to make sure we've got people around us who are going to stand with us. And when we have those people who are around us and we are doing the right thing in our life, we will see God's unexplainable favor in every situation that we walk into. Story number two, we're going to go to Daniel chapter three. So Daniel chapter 3. So at the start of this chapter, we read all about King Nebuchadnezzar. So King Nebuchadnezzar makes this giant statue. And in verse 4, we read this. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, nations and people of every language, this is what you are commanded to do. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the ziver, I mean, I don't know what that is, a lyre, harp, pipe, all of them. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into the blazing furnace. Here we see another way of them trying to change these Jewish men to be more like them. They're basically saying, you know what, you can't worship your God. You have to worship this statue. I mean, you, I, I, mean I say you can. I can't really picture the scene. You can just imagine people going about their normal business, the market and trading and animals and children running around in this giant statue. And then you hear the noise. And where people are, they stop what they're doing. They get down on their hands and knees and they start to worship this statue. But there's three men, three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they stay standing. As they look around them, everybody else is on the floor worshiping this statue, but they stay standing. Now, the king is furious. You know, these men are actually in charge of some of the affairs in his court. So to know that somebody who is in charge of the affairs in his court are not doing what he's asked him to do, he is so mad. He calls for them. And then we hear, 
um, we hear them respond to him. Now, this is one of my favorite parts of this section of the film. This is what it says in chapter 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up. I love that bit. But even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold. You know, the king was so mad that he fueled that fire and made it even hotter. People died from just going near it. And these free men were made to go inside the furnace. And then the miraculous happened. When they looked inside, they didn't see free men, they saw four. And when they came out of the furnace, they didn't even smell of smoke. Doing the right thing is so hard, like I said. That's the reason why we need our team around us who are going to encourage us. But are we also being like these free men? And when life is difficult, are we still declaring that God is good over our situation? They faced the unfaceable, but still declared that God was above everything. What a challenge for all of us. When we're in situations where the outcome seems bleak, are we still declaring that God is good? When the prognosis is bad, are we still declaring that God is on the throne? When life is difficult and we feel like we're in a situation where we might literally be thrown into a furnace, are we still declaring that God is sovereign and he is above everything? You know, here we've got three men who, even in the worst situation, still did the right thing. They declared that God was good and that he was with them and that he was sovereign. And because they did the right thing, God covered them with his protection. Doing the right thing is realizing it's hard and that we need our team. It's also realizing that in those hard situations that we're in, we need to declare that God is still good. And when we do that, God will pour his unexplainable favor on us and he will cover us with his protection. And I don't know about you, but that's a protection that I need right now. My mind needs that protection. My children need that protection. We live in a world where <laughs> God's protection needs to be on all of us. The third story, you probably know what's coming. Um, the third story takes place in Daniel chapter 6. So what's happened between chapter 3 and chapter 6 is quite a lot. So King Nebuchadnezzar goes crazy, but he does repent, so that's okay. And then a new king comes in, um, King Bell. And look, I always look at David Foster and I never know how to, it's because Johnny's not here. How do I say? That's the one. Um, king that one. Um, he then is in charge and he's horrible and he dies. And then finally in chapter six, King Darius takes over. Now Daniel is doing really well for himself, which is also making people really mad. And because of how well Daniel is doing for himself, there is a group of people who plot with the king. And this is what happens in verse, <sighs> the, the plot with the king about how a, um, 
that no one is allowed to pray to anybody else um, but the king. Now, in verse 10, this is what it says. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he'd done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. So they went to the king and spoke to him about his royal decree. Did you not publish a decree that during the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any God or human being except to you, your majesty, will be thrown in the lion's den. The king answered, the decree stands in accordance with the law of the Medes and the Persians. Then he said to the king, Daniel, who is one of the exiles from Judah, pays no attention to you, your majesty, or to the decree you put in writing. He still prays three times a day. When the king heard this, he was greatly distressed. He was determined to rescue Daniel and made every effort until sundown to save him. Now that night, it says that the king's not able to sleep or eat. And in the next, as soon as daylight arrives, he goes straight to where the lions were. And as he pulls back the stone, he shouts inside, Daniel, did your God save you? And from the deeps of that den, he hears Daniel, he did. He did save me. You see, Daniel chose to do the right thing, even when there was awful circumstances that could have been awful for him. He still chose to do the right thing. And what I love is this next part. This is then what happens in verse 25. King Darius orders those who tricked Daniel to be thrown into the lion's den. And then in verse 25, it says this. Then King Darius wrote to all the nations and people of every language in all of the earth. May you prosper greatly. Are you ready for this? I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. He rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Because of Daniel choosing to do the right thing and because God had delivered him from these lions, King Darius is now saying that everybody has to worship and pray to the same God as Daniel. Now, I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute because that's a good part. But I love this part in verse 10. In verse 10, it says this. Um, Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to God just as he'd done before just as he had done before. Daniel pursued God. We can see it right back at the beginning in chapter one when he's been made to eat all of these different food. He pursued God and it sees we see there how him choosing, he chose every single day to pray three times a day. He made it a discipline in his life. He chose to communicate with God. Church, are we the same? Are we making prayer a priority in our life? Are we choosing to spend time with God every single day? Here's the thing. Doing the right thing is hard, but we have God with us and we have prayer to help us. Daniel was able to do the right thing because he pursued God every single day. He prayed to him constantly. And because he did that and because he pursued God and did the right thing, God's influence shone through him. Being righteous and doing the right thing when we are in toxic and horrible circumstances is so hard to do. 
first off, we need to acknowledge that. And we need to get our team around us who are going to pray for us, who are going to stand with us. We need to realize that even though it's difficult, this situation that I am in, God is still on the throne and he's still God. And we need to pray and we need to keep praying and we need to keep going and being persistent in our prayers. And when we choose to do the right thing, we will see God's unexplainable favor in our life. We'll see his protection cover us and we'll see his influence shine out of him. Us. And we know that verse. He will see the good deeds and he'll praise the Father in heaven. People will see God through us and by the way that we live our lives. Doing the right thing is hard. I'm a 35-year-old woman, and here I am talking about how I'm finding it difficult to be on the playground. Doing the right thing when you're at work and everybody's gossiping and being mean. Doing the right thing when you're at school and everybody's like, do this or, or be like this. It's so hard to do. But here's the thing, we're not on our own. We've got God with us and we've got prayer to help us. And I promise you that when you start to do the right thing and start to be righteous, you will see God's provision. You'll see God's protection. You'll see that favor and you'll see that influence. The band are going to come to the stage and let's all stand, church. You know, we live in a world where we live in a world where it, it kind of is all about us and what we want and situations for us. We think about ourselves when actually doing the right thing isn't just for us. It's for our family. It's for our town. It's for our neighbors. It's for the people that we love and care about. It's for our communities. It's for our college. We're doing the right thing for all of these people. And here's the thing. We live in a world where people are going to do whatever they can to take the God out of us. We live in a world where we're constantly being told to dress this way or act this way or just one more drink. Nobody needs to know. And how about you come out with us after work? We live in a world where we're constantly being told what to do, how to act, how to be. And what's happening is, is that we're tr they're trying to take the God out of us and trying to stop us from being all who God wants us to be. Now, here's the thing. I've said it through this whole preach, doing the right thing. Thing. And being righteous in difficult situations is hard. But let's remember we've got our team around us. If you're in a situation in here today and you're like, but you don't know where I'm going. You don't know the family that I've got to go home to. You don't know my situation at school. It's so hard to be different. I agree it is. But let us stand with you and pray with you and believe with you and let us send you out filled up with God so that you are ready to do the right thing. It is so difficult to do the right thing, but we are called to be righteous people. And when Jesus died on the cross and when we said sorry for all the things that we've done wrong, we had this exchange. He took on that sin so that we could have this righteousness that we carry with us. It is hard, but we're not on our own. And I promise you that as you choose to do the right thing, you'll see God's favor, God's protection, and God's influence shine through you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Influence Church. 
any more information, visit our website, influencechurch.co.uk. Influence Church, empowering you to make a difference in your world for the kingdom of God.